0: Welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. Hello again, we're back for episode 52 of The Near Memo. It's David, Mike, and me, Greg, and as always, we're talking about the week's developments in search, social, and commerce, um, and we, we are often challenged to figure out what we're going to focus on because there's a lot of interesting things going on, but we've decided here And David is going to start us off with some interesting things that Google is doing with its AI uh, Google Docs summaries and the implications for search with that.
1: Yeah, on that note of too many things to talk about, I'm going to cop out and combine two of them that I found interesting this week. That's not a cop Um, out.
0: That's not a cop out as long as it's artfully done.
1: they're, They're... uh, in my mind, uh, integrally related to one another. So the first was a link that I first saw um, from Marie Haynes, who noticed a product release in the I think it was on the Google Cloud blog, which I guess is the umbrella organization for Google Drive and Google Docs. And so the the new feature that just came out is an automated summary that will now show up uh, sort of at the upper left hand side of a of a Google Doc that will attempt to condense a multi-page doc into you know a couple sentences and it's it is editable so if you're using this as a productivity tool you know you can craft your own summary that you want people to read as an abstract or or what have you but uh marie i think correctly pointed out just how um i think how how far along google is with its ai in terms of understanding and a, a long piece of content as a human being might Understand it, and I think that the the depth of their, um, the depth of their ability to do that has probably been underestimated by many of us, myself included. Um, now I should say I have I tried to demo this feature in in a handful of very long documents that I have uh, in Google Drive this week. I, it has apparently hasn't been enabled for my account yet or, or whatever. But so I can't speak to how good the the summaries are. But I think Google is probably not going to release something. Um, the substantial, um, even in beta, without a significant degree of confidence. So I think that that's that was an interesting product release uh, from Google, and then sort of combining that with a really insightful post from Cyrus Shepard, uh, formerly of Moz, now of Zippy Z Y P P Y. And Cyrus did a very detailed uh, analysis of which title tags uh, Google was rewriting. Uh, which this has been a thing now in the, in the search results for. I don't know what, nine months or a year SEOs have lost their, you know, what that, oh, we put all this really hard work into, you know, targeting keywords on a certain page and crafting this really beautiful title. And then when the page actually ranks, you know, something like 60% of the time, Google is, is rewriting the title. Um, And so this has been a, you know, sort of a bone that SEOs have been picking with Google, you know, ever since this, this came out. And so Cyrus wrote this post about sort of how to combat their, um, their title rewriting. A couple of high-level takeaways. Keep your titles short. Make sure that they match the H1. Use dashes instead of pipes, which is, a, I think, at least in my old old guy SEO mode, pipes have been sort of the, the preferred thing for a lot of, of SEOs who have been in the game for a while. And, and Cyrus found actually dashes are less likely to get rewritten than pipes. Um, he also found writing things as a more, more or less as a sentence, as opposed to chunking things that, you know, Google can easily crop or, or rewrite. Um, anyway, it's a terrific post. And the takeaway for me of both of these things combined is just how good Google is getting at, again, understanding content, digesting content. And then as it relates to search, presenting what they think users would want to see um, about a given piece of content that's extracted uh, and abstracted on the, the SERP itself. So, I would, I am really, really eager to try this feature uh, in Google Docs. I think it could actually potentially be a useful SEO tool over time if you want to see how Google is understanding the content of a given web page. Um, Marie hypothesized that the Marie Haynes hypothesized that probably the same AI that's driving these summaries is being used in search. And so, um, I'm really interested to, to try this new feature out. And, and if those of you if there are listeners or, or viewers out there who have had this feature enabled in Google Google Docs, I'd love to start a conversation on Twitter about how it's going and what you think of it. So that's that's my item for the week.
2: I had two two thoughts. One was Darren Shaw's response to uh, Cyrus's article was he liked, and this is something that I've done in local for many years, which is make very long title tags and let Google pick and choose based on the intent of the searcher, but title tags that reflect broadly both the intent of the site and the H1 and subheads of the site. And that has been a tactic in local. And Joel, who has tested this at scale, Joel Hadley from Patient Pop, determined that he got 15% more uh, visibility from that. So there's two ways to approach this. One is to sort of worry, as SEOs do, about the specific 64 characters that they want to show. The other is to be a little more expensive and let Google do their thing. The, The second thing, and this is something I've been looking at for the last year, year and a half, two years in great detail, is Google's understanding of images is rapidly going up concurrently with their understanding of text. And they are extracting a great deal of information from images. Sometimes in a sophisticated way, sometimes like a third grader, but they're doing it and using it and it's going to impact results. And I think that the idea that images as a SEO technical, SEO tactic is on the not just on the horizon, it's with us now and needs to be looked at in the same context as you're looking at content summaries.
0: Well, I mean, I, I, I'm led to think about kind of ai as a content generation tool which is happening you know increasingly and how how far down that path are we going to go i mean people have talked about it for news and for web copy and for ad copy and it seems like that is an inevitable out you know byproduct of this kind of advance and we'll see more and more and more non-human generated content and copy across the web which May ultimately not be a big deal, um, you know, for certain kinds of mundane uses, but uh, could be could just add more crap and spam everywhere, depending on how it plays out. That's from, why from E is so
1: supported. important, Greg. <laughs> That's, yes, right. All, yes. all of these uh, BERT and all of these other acronyms that Google is coming out with. So
2: yeah, right. And from a social point of view, it makes more sense to me to use this as to summarize real human content as David described or to understand the content of the images I was talking about than it does to generate more bullshit. We need more well, bullshit. Like we need all that.
0: Yeah. But I mean, this goes to a larger point about search in general, right? I mean, it's, it's like there's less and less trustworthy, really valuable content, even though there's more content overall, there's less that you want to pay attention to. You want to just find the really the, the most uh, thoughtful and uh, useful bits. And, and the rest is just kind of a version of spam. And, 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 you know, I mean, I think this is the challenge that Google faces is really, um, and this has been a challenge for many years, is how do they get to the stuff that is truly useful and and not replicate the the spam? I mean, I was, um, uh, there was an article this morning that I was trying to, uh, that I, I just copied the title. It was in an AMP page, and so I copied the title and I was trying to get to the original article. And there must have been, you know, 10 <laughs> links that had, had had the same title and had some excerpt from the article. And that page is just completely worthless, you know. It's like, I don't need to see anything other than the original source unless it's a gated piece of content, in which case I want to, you know, see some some alternative version of it. But there's just so much of that that seems to show up in, in the SERP, you know. So we'll see. So, um, so Mike, you're... Um, you're You're on deck now here, or you're up, rather. So uh,
2: I use our Fridays to help me learn more, so you guys are going to have to give me a little bit of schooling about uh, Google's privacy sandbox on Android. (laughs) I read this whole announcement, and it was an announcement about an announcement about a plan to maybe create a plan to have some privacy on Android in the future. I read it, and I did not see anything real in it. And so I was just curious, and this... Opinion of mine was, and this is something Gruber at during Fireball said. Basically, it's a plan to create a plan two years from now. So there was that, that is this just performance theater or is there something real here, was my first question. Is this, I mean, I went and looked and Google has, with the exact title, Privacy Sandbox on Android, has 25,000 articles in search already and 5,000 highly trusted news sources writing about this. So they got great coverage of something that, didn't appear to be that appears to me to be vaporware and then so there's two questions here one what is what was their intent in this and two is there more than vaporware here and three will google ever really respect our privacy and i turn to you guys and your dog to see if there's any answers there
1: so it struck well, me mike my- as as uh, running the exact same playbook that they've run with these uh you know, farcical summaries of how well they're combating spam in in Google Maps, right? It is they they put out a uh, a shiny object that the tech press covers without any critical thought whatsoever, and all of a sudden they're you know planting the seed in consumers' minds everywhere that oh Google actually does care about privacy, right? And and even if there isn't anything really behind it so i i truly think this is a, a this is a core corporate pr strategy at the highest levels of google that this is how this is how we get our message out and that no there, there's just not going to be enough critical analysis by any major news outlet they're all it's they're going to sort of spread help spread google's propaganda um without without any without ever really understanding if there's anything behind it so
0: well, let me let me say something slightly less cynical. The dog the dog <laughs> agrees with you, um, but but I'll say I'll take a different position, which is, which is uh, you know I, the way that I see this. So the, the coverage was largely about Apple. Ironically, oh Google's going to do this thing that's like what Apple has done, and look at Facebook, which lost ten billion dollars or said it was going to lose $10 dollars billion, $10 billion as a result, and look at their market cap. So so Google is is you know that that's sort of how the coverage went. Uh, I think that, you know, Google has the privacy sandbox initiative for the desktop, and that there's some real stuff there, topics, you know, coming out of their cohort uh, targeting, they've changed to topics, which which we talked about previously, which is a version of contextual targeting with a behavioral targeting element to it. I think that's what we're going to see for Android. I think it's going to be largely a mirror of that. So I do think that there is something here that they're they're porting over the the desktop approach into into android and they're going to get rid of the android id in the same way that A- apple has essentially deprecated idfa so i think there's there's some there's some substance here i think the timing is is the is theater right i think you know they 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 have not implemented anything from what i can tell and so i think their their announcement is really designed to garner the maximum positive pr coverage that they can Uh, And, and, you know, now, uh, which is is also playing not just to the public, but to the regulators. I think that's that's a lot of it. Like, hey, we really do care about these consumer privacy issues because they're getting dinged along with Facebook all over the world for violating this or that sort of uh, privacy rule, privacy regulation. Um, So I'm not quite as cynical that it's saying there's nothing at all here, but I do think it's kind of a, a a. you know it's a pr move on their part to say two years from now we will have some tangible thing to to to, to implement. and then in two years um, when it's I,
1: when it's clear that that plan is going to be unworkable they will come up with another plan that will take two years to develop well, and then I mean, implement i mean we've already seen what, this what we've was, seen the same story before with the death of the cookie
0: right right so that so well i think that that reflects the very real problem of what do you do what do you actually do that's going to try and and, and uh, represent a compromise. And compromising,
1: compromising people's privacy is fundamental to a huge amount of Google's revenue in a way that it's just not well, for Apple. So,
0: Right, so so that's the interesting thing to me is comparing the two hypotheticals, you know, Google's hypothetical solution with Apple's solution. So I, I, I don't believe that Google can do anything which represents an opt-in. I don't think that they will do anything that is an opt-in. It will be some version of opt-out which will be confusing... And most consumers won't pay attention because all of those opt-out solutions are too burdensome for the consumer. What makes the Apple solution so effective is that it's so simple and it's an opt-in. Do you want them to track you? No, no, no. And Google knows that if they allow an opt-in, that people will say no to that. And um, as a consequence, we're not going to see an opt-in from Google, which which I think renders the privacy side of it probably ineffective. The the oblique
2: criticism of Apple in their piece was interesting, too, because Apple gave Facebook, all people, a fair bit of time to come up with alternative ad attribution models. And you can see what Facebook did. All they did was complain about it. They didn't come up with an ad. Apple gave them almost two years from announcement to actual implementation. So a similar time frame. Uh, with betas oh. along the way, and Facebook didn't do much of anything about it. Well,
0: so. they they said now they said recently that they're getting better at attribution. I think um, right. you know, they've cut cut down on the the undercounting of iOS installs or whatever the you know whatever the conversion conversions is. So they're getting right. they're getting somewhat better. I mean, I think this this remains this is sort of the internet's major problem: is how do you respond to the increasing demand for privacy after all the abuses, and still give marketers targeting and attribution tools that are not going to be an exploitation of of user data or deceptive in some way. I think it's very challenging. And I I, I mean, my personal preference is make everything opt in. But when you do that, then you get, you know, 14% or whatever the number is of people opting in. So... Any more on that exciting topic? (laughs) All right, so then then the the last item of uh, today is, um, you know, there are many things that we talked about uh, discussing. I mean, there are some interesting things that happened with Nextdoor this week and Voice Search and others. But um, earlier this week, a couple of days ago, I think, Wix reported its fourth quarter and full-year results Uh, And their their 2021 revenue was something like just under 1.3 billion, 1.27 billion, which was up about 30%. Company's not profitable. Um, They reported um, they reported 220 million accounts globally, uh, with 56% of those, I believe, in North America, which is mostly the U.S. And they had six million premium accounts which interestingly was less than the verbal number I got from Wix some months ago. But I think this is the the accurate number. That may have been sort of a mistake. So 6 million premium accounts, 200 million total accounts, most of which are free. Only 2.7% are paid accounts. Um, Wix is the largest of all the website builders out there. And um, their ARPU comes out at about $200 per year. And it's a it's a really interesting story. Once again, we've talked about this before and written about it several times, because by my calculation, there are about 123 million uh, Wix accounts, paid and and free, in North America, but only 31. Point something million small businesses. And surveys report that between 30 and 50 percent of small businesses don't have websites. So this, you know, these are recent surveys saying. You know, some substantial percentage of small businesses don't have websites. So this is a really interesting, like, discrepancy between the small businesses that have websites, all the Wix accounts, and who else is out there creating these accounts, hobbyists, people with side hustles. I was going to say,
1: I mean, do you think there could be, like, you know, per, essentially people using Wix as a personal page for, like, a, you yeah, know, wedding... Planning or whatever, you know those those yep. kinds of things. I mean, you have to at a hundred million. There have to be what we would consider consumers yep. as part of that number.
0: Well, but I mean, but I mean, why are these consumers using these websites? Because they're either trying to market themselves in some fashion, or they have side businesses, or you know, whatever they're testing the waters for something. So it's 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 very interesting because the what Wix projected in its its uh, its its report was that they were going to earn $16 billion over the next decade from their existing free accounts, basically upsells. So you know they have this enormous built-in audience, and just simply by bringing some of those people over, they can generate a huge amount of revenue. And in my mind, it once again raises this question of what is the addressable audience for these software vendors, SaaS companies, and it's going to depend on what sector you're in, of course, and what your service is, but you know, I, I used to have these discussions in the old days with different people about what is the addressable market for small businesses. Certainly, it's not the thirty million. It's got to be some subset—ten million, 15 million. You know, those numbers seemed reasonable. But Wix's data suggests we're dealing with a very different—you know, it's a very different scenario here in the wake of COVID and, and e-commerce and um, it, business, Everybody moving online and individual creators. It's we're, we're in a really different sort of interesting new environment i think
1: i would agree with that i mean i think yeah the 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 influencer market which didn't exist you know five years ago seven years ago whatever um that you know that those theoretically are perfect wix customers as well um they just need some they need a domain name and a embed of their instagram feed right that they can and a contact button where people can signed up to pay them to promote a product or whatever. So I think that the the definition of a business is probably has just changed radically since the Chelsea days of the late aughts or whatever, when so many of these discussions were, were happening, not that they've ever stopped, but.
0: Well, I, I, I mean, interestingly, um, I had a conversation with Perry Evans yesterday and um, you know, he's at Evercommerce and, and, and we were talking about the challenges of the small business market and in many ways as radically as things have changed with the emphasis on e-commerce and mobile devices and all these different things that have happened over the ensuing period um, the 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 challenge of getting small businesses to pay attention and pay, pay for digital marketing is still pretty difficult mm-hmm. you know i mean you you you've just been in a in a version of that uh, world yeah. david and it's 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 in some ways nothing has changed <laughs> since the year two thousand uh even though even though certain other things are are radically different so it's it's really a, just a very complicated interesting market I just want to throw in and then Mike um you can feel free to say whatever you'd like um we we're, we're not to, you know wix is not the only website host right there's Squarespace and WordPress and goDaddy and uh, you know, Square. Google My oh, Business oh, oh. websites yeah. and
2: Bing just announced a website. Mm-hmm. Right,
0: smart there. Right, and Google. Right, so there's there's millions and millions of more websites out there, and most people probably don't have three websites <laughs> on three different platforms. You know, so it's a it's there's a lot of non duplication out there, and and it's a much 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 bigger world of websites than what the U S government says in terms of small mm-hmm. businesses and, you know, especially when you consider that uh,
2: so many of them don't have websites, it would be interesting to look at a WIC sample, random hundred thousand sites and see what they really are. Are they wedding sites like David suggested?
1: I wasn't or suggesting, they, I'm just they, trying to oh, p- trying to put, well, put some kind of hypothesis out there of what they could be. So, but that's, that's the yeah. question.
2: What are they? And it'd be interesting to look at a sample to determine yeah. How many are actual sort of side hustles or actually business focused versus how many are just truly personal endeavors, maybe a CV or some other use that goes, that isn't really specifically about making money, more about promoting your personal capital or whatever your human personal brand, (laughs) your personal brand, an equally offensive term to me, but, um, Yes, I just curious. It'd be interesting to look at a sample and see. So,
0: well, we can we can try and get that information from them directly. We know a lot of people who are at Wix. I don't know how much they would divulge that, but it's it's just a fascinating it's a fascinating thing because it just really reframes the whole discussion about who is your target mm-hmm. audience.
2: Well, and it goes um, to what we were saying before. What is a local business, right? I mean. There's the infoUSA definition which is similar to Google's definition which is a location or business with a phone number that's outperforming selling goods or services in the local market. That's one and there's rough appears to be somewhere in the order of 17 million of those there's the you know Census Bureau definition which is 30 million but includes a lot of uh, corporations or um, like personal corporations to, manage income as part of other projects right i do three jobs and i'm sure david does several right and so how many businesses does that involve is that more than one or one so it's a very loose and amorphous answer to and a difficult question to get good answers to without really clear definitions of what you're talking about this is your next job, Greg. And you're gonna do it for Near Media. I'm looking forward to the, uh, the I, yeah. Well, I will totally single-handedly
0: segment the small business market or the addressable market for all these SaaS SMB SaaS companies. There you go. And um, and we will sell that for one hundred million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's just it's just very interesting because it explodes these sort of categories and ideas that that have have been pretty uh, pretty much gospel and unquestioned in the in the world of uh, in the world of small business marketing. So all right, we are out of time. Uh, it's gone quickly as it always does. Any last thoughts or words before we adjourn for this week?
2: Just stay safe out there.
0: All right. And with that, have a good weekend, week, evening, morning. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.